0: Welcome uh, to Light Church. If you are new or visiting, uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, you are in the right place, and uh, we're so glad you're with us. And uh, if you are just a regular member of this church, it's so good to be together, isn't it? At the beginning of 2020, how crazy is that? A new decade. Turn to someone next to you and say, welcome to the future. 2020. That was like the date you would use when you were younger to like signify a really, really long time in the future. You know what I mean? Like, it's on loads of, like, 90s TV shows, in it, where, like, 2020 is, like, the distant future. Like, we're there now. How mad is that? Um, but as, as Pat said, uh, we're going to be uh, entering a, a six-week series. I'm really, really excited about this series. It's going to be called Shepherd. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, six verses uh, for six weeks. And uh, we are going to be uh, squeezing every last bit out of this uh, passage. And it's such a good passage, and we can learn so much And uh, I just say, I want to encourage you to try and make it to every single one of these. It's going to be a really, really good series. So, on that note, if you would turn with me to Psalm 23, and we will jump straight in. If you've not got a Bible, don't worry, I'll be reading it out. Psalm 23. It's a very, very famous passage. Lots of people uh, have written songs about it, both just in culture and also in the church. And uh, I think there's even a rap song about it. That's how well known this is. You know when it gets to a rap song, it's like pop culture in it. Psalm 23, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're going to be jumping into this over the next six weeks. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 1 today. But if you'd pray with me before we jump into this. And I was going to ask God to come and speak and for his presence to be in this place and not be my words, but his. So Father God, I want to thank you for this church. I thank you that we can be here together. I thank you that where we gather, your presence is here, that you meet with us, that we're not just here uh, talking to a distant God, but God that is near. So God, we just want to pray that in this service, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Come and speak in a way that only you can speak. Come and move in a way that only you can move. God, I pray we leave this place so different than we came in, more full of your grace, more full of your love, closer to you. God, we thank you for all that you do. And we pray over this year, 2020, that this will be our best year yet as a church and as individuals. We're so expectant and full of faith, God, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you ever noticed that things that you follow often shape? your direction or shape your choices or your desires. You know whether this is as simple as social media, have you ever found that if you're on social media and you are friends with someone or you follow someone and uh, they maybe start posting about fitness things and loads of people are talking about the gym, you suddenly de- develop this desire to go to the gym. Or it might not be the gym. Some of you are shaking your heads. That's okay. Okay, we'll relate on a different level. Maybe a load of people are posting about food And you start seeing the food and you're like, you ever just sit up really late at night reading stupid recipes and watching stupid videos of things that you're never going to do? Like the things that we follow shape the way we live our lives. They begin to shape our desires and the way we look at things. I remember when me and Holly were on our honeymoon. We went to uh, Greece. And uh, we were on this island uh, of roads, and we decided, it's quite a small island, we thought, sweet, we're going to hire a little moped, and uh, it means we're going to be able to travel around the island. And we thought it'd be a lot of fun, you know, it's like so Hollywood, in it, you're there with like 25 buttons undone on your shirt, like hair in the wind, and and, uh, don't picture that. And, uh, and, you know, so we got all the gear that we needed, jumped on this moped, and we were going around the place, you know, just nipping into town for this, and going and seeing the sunset there, like, you know, like all the romantic things, all the honey. Anyway, one day we decided, we heard about this place called Old Town, and Old Town in Rhodes is this beautiful, like historic place, like everything's really well preserved, there's uh, like loads of old churches, loads of old like monuments, all these crazy things, and it's like a, like a market village type of thing really tiny cobble paths and all that sort of stuff. So we were like, sweet, let's do it. And we found out that it was like a 45, 50 minute uh, ride across from where we were staying. So we thought, sweet, jump on the moped and, uh, you know, get all kitted out. And it was like, uh, it was the Hollywood moment, you know what I mean? Like people were crossing the road looking at us, dropping the shopping bags because we looked so cool. (laughs) And uh, you know, as, we were going through, as we were going through things, cars were swerving off the road because we were so taken back by just how glamorous and glorious we looked on our moped. The thing is, it's a really, really slow moped as well. It went like 30 miles an hour, especially with two of us on any hills, we were like going backwards. I remember we were, um, we were maybe 25, 30 minutes into the, into the ride, you know, on the ride. And uh, we were going down this, this uh, long straight road and maybe 75 to 100 meters down the road, uh, we noticed this, this big lorry pull out. And uh, obviously, we didn't have the horsepower to overtake the thing, so we ended up like just being behind it. It turned out to be a bin lorry. And, uh, and as well, you're talking like over 30 degrees heat, us on this little like wailing moped, like... And then especially when you're going up hills behind the bin lorry, we were just being pounded with one of the most awful stenches I have ever smelled in my entire life. Like, it smelled like death. Like, it just smelled of just rot. Like I'm saying, it's hot. And we're on this little moped, like, gunning it as fast as we can go. And, like, Holly is funny with smells. Like, she's behind me, like, <laughs> like I can't Ugh. And I'm, like, really trying to focus on just driving. My eyes are water And it smells so bad. And in a, in a real and slightly horrific sense, see, what we end up following is a thing that ends up feeding us. The things that we position ourselves behind are the things that actually start to shape our environments. They begin to shape what we desire. They begin to shape what we take in. Like the air we were breathing was this warm, you know exactly the smell when you haven't emptied your bin for a little bit too long, times it by 57 and you've got this warm, like damp bin smell and it's just the same in our lives in every single one of our lives that what we position ourselves behind what we follow is the thing that will feed us it will begin to de- to shape our desires to shape our choices begin to shape the way we view the world and in fact maybe this morning it's a question for you what is it that you are following or maybe more so who is it that you are following because you know, we can follow tons of different things, can't we? It might be uh, that we are following a dream. Or it might be that we are following a, like a, a job or a, a vision of something that we have for our life. Or it might be that we're following a person. It might be like a role model or it might have been a legacy that a family member left and said, this is what I see and you feel like you have to live into this. You know, the thing that we position ourselves begins to shape us. And interestingly enough, this is exactly what David is demonstrating. He's, in this passage, he's looking at the nature of who he follows. He's talking about the nature of the one that he's positioned himself behind. And he says, he calls him the shepherd. So David's beginning, uh, like a little bit of context. David is, we think he's old in this passage. So Psalm 23, some people believe that he was young and in the fields writing this because he was a shepherd at the time, and that he was... uh, You know, he was writing from the perspective of himself, like, oh, God is like a shepherd. But actually, there's more evidence to suggest that he's old and he's actually reflecting back on his life and looking back at all that God has done in his life. And he's starting to reflect on the nature of God and starting to reflect on the character of God in his life. So actually, Psalm 23, imagine an old person looking back over their life and starting to maybe summarize or pull out these principles so actually we have this really condensed uh, like little passage of David being like, this is who God is to me. This is the nature of God that I have experienced. So I found this interesting. I don't know about you, but something that really jumped out to me is that David had been a shepherd. And David had also been a king. So he'd been both of these things. And yet when he was a shepherd, it was a time in his life where he was most overlooked It was a time in his life that he was unknown, unseen, written off, cast out. Like if you don't know the story of David, he was the youngest in his family. His own father didn't even remember about him. Like he'd written him off as though he was nothing. He was insignificant. He was small. He's just the shepherd out in the field. Yet when David was a king, he was actually one of the most feared kings ever. He reigned for a really long time. He was known. He was famous. He was adored. He was revered among all the nations. People knew of King David. Some even say he was the most powerful king that Israel ever had. David had been a shepherd and he'd been a king. And he knew that as a shepherd, it's long, dirty, unglamorous work. In fact, Very lonely, very isolated. Not many people ever saw you or knew who you were. Yet when you were a king, you had all this responsibility and power, and you had all this luxury, and you lived in a place where you were cared for, and it was this beautiful scenario to live in. So, do you not find it interesting that when David comes to summarize the nature of God in his life, he chooses to say that God is his shepherd? So I found that interesting, knowing what he knows about being a shepherd. I mean, in our series, he came down just before Christmas. We looked at shepherds quite a lot, and we found out that culturally, shepherds were not seen as much at all. Culturally, to call God a shepherd would have been to say, like, you're kind of like the lowest. Not many people would have ever liked to be called a shepherd. You know, Pat gave a pretty interesting description. They were dirty, hairy, kind of... These big brute of guys that were just cast out. You know, if a, if a shepherd would walk by, people would probably cross the road. They might smell. They don't wash too often. You can kind of get the picture of what a shepherd in that time would have looked like. And then it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why, why is David calling God a shepherd? Like, he knows what a shepherd is like. He's been a king. Surely is he not going to? Like, it must be significant why David is calling God a shepherd. This morning, I want to offer a couple of thoughts to us, a couple of distinctions between a king and a shepherd. For David to call God a shepherd, this must be significant. This must be an insight into God's character that we can learn from today. This must be something that we need to grasp hold of. Why is God a shepherd? What is it about a shepherd that David chose to entitle God and his nature as a shepherd? If you're taking notes, the first thought I want to suggest to us this morning, a king rules from a palace but a shepherd leads from the field. A king rules from the palace, but a shepherd leads from the field. See, in those times, and similar to today, in fact, a king would live in a palace, and it was heavily guarded. It was kind of removed from society. In fact, like things were based around it, but it was untouchable. It was the most secure place. It was the type of place you couldn't just walk in and go and speak to the king. In fact, in those times, if you entered the king's courts without being asked, you could actually be put to death. So the king was completely removed from everyday normal people. In fact, you needed a mediator. You needed someone to go on your behalf to speak to the king. But a shepherd in those times was very present with his sheep. He lived with his sheep. He ate with his sheep. He slept in the same place the sheep slept. He would walk with the sheep. His life was based around the sheep. The, the shepherd was accessible. The shepherd was knowable. The shepherd understood his sheep and the sheep understood him. See, a shepherd allowed opportunity for relationship. Relationship for a connection between the two that wasn't mediated. And I think this is significant. If David, so we're talking about in the light of David telling us in the scriptures, this is the nature of God. And he uses the word shepherd. This must be significant. See, the nature of our God is God is a personal God. God is a knowable God. Like, hold up for a second. We're saying that the God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, The creator of heavens and earth the one who knows everything about you every single hair on your head the one that has been there from the beginning and will be there to the end that god is knowable that god is personal like david's teaching us something very very significant here that the god of heaven and earth can be known How insane is that? That God is not a distant God. He is not a removed God. We don't worship Him from a distance. We worship Him personally. That's significant. And actually, if we look across many religions, uh, many religions in society, even like Islam, God presented in Islam is very distant. You get on your knees and you hope that He hears you. In fact, there is so much reverence That he's so far away. Yet our God is so, so near, so close. I think this is interesting. David's saying the Lord is my shepherd. Why? Because he walked with God. He knew God. And God knew him. This wasn't some mediated process whereby like God was over in the distance and like people just hope, I hope he he hears me. Like one day I'll find out whether I can get into heaven or not. There was, now David's teaching us here that our God is personal and knowable. I mean let's look at scripture, all throughout scripture. We see time and time again how God speaks to humanity. How God works with humanity. How God breaks into the ceiling of humanity. In fact, the scriptures themselves are just one giant demonstration of God's desire to break into humanity. One giant picture of what it looks like for God to desire a relationship with humanity. That is what the scriptures are about. It's not just a big uh, like painting or it's not just a big description of this faraway God that we may or may not get to meet one day. But it's actually just one big love story about a God who desperately wants relationship with his people again. I don't know about you, but I'm only thankful for a God that isn't distant. Aren't we thankful for a God that doesn't say, you have to approach me in this way and maybe I will reply to you. Maybe you will know me. But a God that says, I want you to know me. I want to be known by you. I want to be in relationship with you. I I don't want you to just know a lot about me and and know things that I did or things that I'm going to do. But I want you to know me, to walk with me, to, to know my shape, to know my voice. A king... Rules from the palace, but a shepherd leads from the field. Our God is knowable. He's personal. The second thought I have this morning is a king hears about problems, but a shepherd is in them with you. A king hears about problems, but a shepherd is in them with you. So, so often in that time, imagine the king, he'd be in his palace, eating his 75 course breakfast and uh, with his big banquet table and uh, doing important things that kings did. And someone would come in and they maybe would have a meeting or something to talk about different things in the kingdom that would need fixing or things that would need addressing or things or parts that would need defending. And uh, the king would sit there and start to think about ways that uh, he could help people in the kingdom. And he would hear about these things and maybe... Every so often, someone from that place might be able to speak to the king. You know, one of those, like, royal visits where, like, the king comes and visits, and know, what, what do you guys need? And, but more often than not, the local leaders would come and present problems to the king. And he would try and fix them from a distance. But Interestingly enough, a shepherd is in the field all the time with the sheep. Like we said, he eats there, he sleeps there. When it's raining, the shepherd's wet. When it's sunny, the shepherd's hot. When there's a storm, the shepherd's there to protect his flock. Whatever the weather looks like, whatever the season looks like, whatever the circumstance looks like, the shepherd walks through it with the sheep. There is never a time that the shepherd is not with his sheep. In fact, there's, there's not much you could do to separate the shepherd from his sheep. That is his job. That was what he was there to do. He would journey through all these different things with the sheep. In fact, often it was dirty. Often you were going through land and it was dusty and you were looking for grass and it was this very, very unglamorous lifestyle to live. Yet the shepherd would endure it to look after his sheep. Again, I think this is significant. David is teaching us about the nature of God. If we look at it through that lens of David saying, God is my shepherd. And what that can mean to us today, the nature of our God is that he isn't just near, he isn't just personal, but he's active, he's working. In fact, he can empathize with you. How insane is that? The God of heaven and earth is active, working, and can empathize with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever season you go through, he's there. You know, he opens doors. He works things together for good. Things that were meant in your life to pull you down. Things that were meant to take you out. Things that were meant for evil. Things that were meant to just mess you up. God can turn them around and make them work for good. He is an active God. He isn't just knowable and near and personal. But He's moving. And He wants to move in your life. And actually, He he wants to work things together in your life. All the things that were meant for pain. All the things in your past that you're maybe not so sure about that can come to light or things that may be holding you back. He wants to take it and He wants to make it a platform for your future. A platform to help people. A platform for His glory to be shown. Our God is active and He's working. And He wants to work in your life. He leads us and He guides us. He opens doors. He works things together. Let me read this passage from Isaiah 43. It's going to be the message version. Uh, message version. And uh, this is God's promise to you. So I want you to take this as God's voice in your ears right now. Not my voice, but these are God's words from Isaiah 43. This is what God says to Israel. And what he's saying to you today, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name and you're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am your God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I love that. You're mine. And when you're in over your head, I'll be there. When you're in rough waters, you won't go down. He isn't just a God that wants to know you and stand there and follow you around in life. And when things go tough and when things go wrong and things are upside down, it's like, yeah, I'm here. But no, he's a God that wants to walk through it with you. This is his promise. I've called your name and your mind. And when you go through things, I will be there and it won't take you out. It might hurt. It might be painful. But I'll be there. How insane is that? That is a promise of the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the stars, the skies, the plants, everything that we see. That God says, I will be with you. That's the nature of the shepherd. That is the nature of our God. He is not a distant God. He is a personal God. He is not a dormant God. He is an active God. That's the God we get to serve. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God that wants to walk through life with me. Not a God that wants to cast me off when things go wrong. Not a God that wants to throw me to the side when maybe life didn't show up exactly how I expected it. But God that says, I commit to you no matter what life looks like. Whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, I will be there. Whether it's cold, whether it's hot, I will be there. Whether things go the way you want or the way you don't want, I will be there. Whether you're sick, whether you're not sick, I will be there. Whether you're confused, whether you're hurting, whether you're broken, I'll be there. That's the God that we serve. That is his promise. I will be with you. A king hears about problems, but a shepherd is in them with you. And the third thought, a king has lives laid down for them, but a shepherd lays his own life down for his sheep. A king has lives laid down for them, but a shepherd lays his own life down for his sheep. See, in those times when the kings uh, would rule, they needed to keep their kingdoms safe and and defended against people trying to take over or trying to invade. And often uh, they would have these big armies and the king would be like the leader of the army. And uh, sometimes the king would fight, but more often than not, they would be kind of like the one dealing with the, the commander of the army. And uh, the king would send troops out to go and defend and go and fight and go into battles. And many people would die in the name of the king. You've often heard it like an old saying, like for king and country. And this idea that people would lay their lives down in the name of that king. See, a king has lives laid down for them. And they're distant and they're removed and they're safe. But a shepherd... A shepherd's job was to protect his flock. So that means that when things would come, whether it be bears or whether it be wolves, to come and try and aid the sheep, to come and attack the sheep, the shepherd knew it was his job to defend the flock, often putting his own life in danger. They would fight off things that would come to attack him. He would often stay in treacherous situations to try and save his sheep often go to places to find them, keep them all together. He would often put his life in danger to save his sheep, to protect his sheep. See, throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, see, this idea of God being a shepherd runs all the way through the Bible, but specifically, Jesus is often known as the good shepherd. So Jesus even self-professes in John 10, I am the good shepherd. So that is how he introduces himself to people. I am the good shepherd. Now in the light of everything we've just looked at, that David talking about the nature of God. And then Jesus standing there and saying, like, I am the Messiah. I am God. And I am the good shepherd. There's something specific. There's something significant about a shepherd. Listen to Jesus' words here, John 10, 11, 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now journey with me a second. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. And then he goes on to talk about Hired hands and people not looking out for their sheep. See, if David knew that what we follow is what will feed us or what will shape us. And actually, then if Jesus comes and says, I am the good shepherd. And a shepherd obviously leads his flock. And then Jesus starts talking about these other people that like hired hands. They would often be people that would help shepherds. They would help the shepherd keep you know like the flock together and they would guide the flock they might they might stand at the back to make sure no sheep get left behind or they would just kind of be like the apprentice of the shepherd they would pay them in they'd bring them in to come and help out hired hands Jesus starts to talk about hired hands see I wonder maybe there's so many things in our life that might look like the right thing to follow that might actually look like they have our best interest at heart. That might actually look like the very thing we're trying to follow. And Jesus is making it clear here. The hired hands do not own the sheep. And when something comes along that's going to threaten the sheep, the hired hands run. Yeah. Because they care nothing for the sheep. And this made me think, you know what, how many people, how many people are following a a dream of success or a dream of money or a dream of significance or a dream of influence or a dream of, of popularity or reputation. And actually, it looks like it's doing really well for them. It looks like it's the thing that's going to make them finally feel fulfilled. But actually, when trouble comes, what's the first thing that's going to ditch? It's going to be the hired hands. It's going to be the things that we put our trust in. They don't care anything for us. You know, so often we put our trust in things in life. We follow things that we think this is going to be the thing that is going to get me to where I need to be. It might even be religion. It might even be going through the motions of what we think God wants from us to try and earn our way into heaven, to try and earn our way into a better life. Actually, religion is not a crutch that will hold anyone up. In fact, it is something that will make you need a crutch in the first place. The only thing that can sustain us in life is Jesus. The only thing that can give us significance in life is Jesus. The only one who can bring us fullness and wholeness is Jesus. Why? Because God loves us so much. He desperately wanted relationship with his sheep again. He desperately wanted relationship with you and me. So he sent Jesus down to live a human life a very very normal human life for 30 years and then to demonstrate that he was God to then go to the cross take on all of our sin all of our guilt why so we could be restored back to God so we could be restored back into relationship with God i wonder this morning what is it that you're putting your trust in is it the shepherd the one who died on a cross lay in a tomb for three days and then after three days he rose again beating death beating shame beating guilt or is it maybe one of the hired hands that looks a little bit like it has potential maybe this is the thing but it never went to a cross for you see i think it's significant that david calls god the shepherd you need to know that the nature of our god is personal it is knowable Our God is close. He wants to be in relationship. He wants to work in your life. He wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him, to live life with him. And he died for you so that you could live. You could live in freedom. You could live in wholeness. You could live with a fulfillment inside of you no matter what the circumstances you go through. You know, what the crazy thing is we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to go through these things just like, maybe I've done enough good in my life that God will maybe love me. Now he says, I am the shepherd and these sheep, they are mine. These sheep, they are mine. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God went to the cross and died for me that so we could have relationship with God again. Because there is nothing we can do to get back to God. There is nothing we can do that can earn our way back into salvation. The only way we can be fulfilled and get back into a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. And He wants to know you today. He wants to know you today. You know what? He's given you this gift of grace. We don't deserve it. We're broken. We mess up. Have you ever tried to forgive someone knowing that they're probably going to do it again? It's frustrating, isn't it? It's really frustrating because you're like, ah, I want to forgive them, but I just know they're going to do it again. You know, and then Jesus in the Bible talks about forgive, you know, 70 times and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. And it's like, it's so difficult. Have you ever caught yourself saying something and then realizing like, oh, that's how God must feel? Uh, We were talking the other day and I was just talking about something like, imagine giving someone a gift that you knew wouldn't accept it. That's exactly what Jesus did. He went to the cross and died for our sins, knowing fine well that people would reject him, that people would not follow him, that the gift that he gave for people, people would reject and not even take it. He gave us a gift of grace, a gift to be restored back to him. I want to invite the band up and I'm just going to close. A king rules from the palace, but a shepherd leads from the field. God is personal. A king hears about your problems and a shepherd is in them with you. God's active and he's working. And a king has lives laid down for them, but a shepherd lays his own life down for his sheep. Just as we come into close, I think this passage is interesting. We're talking about one line of Psalm 23, verse 1. The last half of this line says, The Lord is my shepherd. And then it says, I shall not want. I shall not want. And I found this really interesting, interesting words. Some versions say, like I read out before, I will lack nothing. Some versions say, I will never be in need. One of the versions say, "I shall not want." See, David knew that you are fed by the thing that you follow. And traditionally, we'd understand this idea of "I shall not want" meaning that God will provide everything that we need. And I found this interesting. The first thing that comes to David's mind when he talks about a shepherd, it's like David. For David, being a shepherd is synonymous with provision. Now, oh, that's interesting, really, like a shepherd and provision, like I understand, but surely like a shepherd would be more about leading and guiding, or, or maybe like protection and defending, but provision, that's interesting. Why, why provision? You see, David understood that you're fed by what you follow, and that there are so many different things. That we can follow. So many different avenues that we can go down. Places we can place our significance or our trust or our peace or our stability. And like this passage is about provision. Yeah, that if you follow the shepherd, he'll cover all your needs. Like it says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Okay, so that is part of what this is saying, that if you follow the shepherd, you will not need anything. It will be sorted for you. You just follow his heart and he'll provide everything for you. But there's something else with this. There's something else with this. It's it's a personal desire. I shall not want. Want what? Want anything other than the shepherd gives me. Want anything else than the shepherd wants for me. Want anything more or less than the thing that the shepherd is leading me in. See, David understood that there are so many things that we can follow, so many different ways that we can find a fulfillment or a sense of fulfillment. And David's saying, I won't look to the left or the right. I won't want what they've got. I won't want what this thing's trying to give me. I won't want that thing over there. I just want what the shepherd has given me. David understood that you are fed by what you follow, that he didn't want anything that the shepherd wasn't given. I find it interesting that this psalm, it's not written from the perspective of the shepherd. It isn't saying, and God said, I am the shepherd. It's actually written from the perspective of the sheep. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's written from the eyes of the sheep. Interestingly enough, the sheep have to stick with their shepherd. See, the sheep often stray away, but they have to know and stick with their shepherd. The shepherd has to be known by the sheep. See, the sheep, they will know his voice. They will know his shadow. They'll know his silhouette. They'll know his body language. They'll know his behavior. They will have a relationship. They will have interaction. The sheep know the voice of their shepherd. It's kind of like a conscious decision from David here, isn't it? Speaking from a place of a child of God or a sheep, or it's like a declaration saying, You know what? Of all these different things, of all the different influences, and all the different ways that I could try and be something, or get sorted out, or be fixed, or try and find salvation, or whatever it is, my declaration is the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one I follow. His voice is the one that I will know. His body is the one that I will know. His behavior is the one that I will know. His nature is the one that I will know. His direction is the one that I will follow. His provision is the thing that I will live off. See, the sheep have to stick with the shepherd. I wonder this morning, do you know the shepherd? Or do you just know a ton about the shepherd? You've heard about him. You've heard stories about things he's done. You've maybe even read about him over and over again. But that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you know the shepherd? Because David knew the shepherd. David was a shepherd. He was a king. He was hunted. People that were out to kill him. In whatever season he was in, David walked with his shepherd. Do you know the shepherd this morning? Are you following the shepherd this morning? It's not enough to just know about him. It's not enough to just know things that he's done. He wants you to know him, and you can know him. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing this message and you think, I need to know the shepherd. Maybe it's not the first time. Maybe you've been at this a long time and you just feel like, I don't know the shepherd. I feel like I did. I remember being in this place where I just felt so dry. I felt like I knew so much about this guy, Jesus. I know everything that he did and I knew what he was like and I heard about what he was like with other people and I'd speak to people and I'd I'd just see the glow on their face where they'd they'd just met Jesus and I just remember thinking, I want that. I I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to be in relationship with him and we can. He wants to know you. We have to choose him. I want to offer an opportunity for a couple groups of people. You know, when we preach messages, they're no good just staying as knowledge. That's why we do these things at the end where we get people to respond. Not because I care about necessarily how many people put their hands up or it's, it's some metric of success. It's not about any of them. This is a moment between you and God. It is an outward expression of an inward decision. That's why we offer these times at the end. It's an application. It's a moment for you to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, let me put it into action. Like James says in the Bible, be doers, not just hearers. These appeals at the end aren't for anything other than that. Let us be a people of doers. So I want to offer some opportunity for you to do some doing. Maybe you're in here and you've heard this message. And I've maybe given you a glimpse of the shepherd. But I'd love... To create an opportunity for you to meet him for yourself. To meet him maybe for the first time. So maybe it's a recommitment. You've once known him and you just need to know him. You've not been following and you need to follow him. That's the first group of people. The second group of people, maybe you've been at this a while. And you are like a sheep have gone astray. You've walked off the path. Maybe not in a dramatic sense. You're still following, but you're kind of just like figuring stuff out on your own, and you're just like a little weird sheep, just walking around on your own, eating a bit of grass here, trying to figure stuff out. And it's a time to just get back into the flock, get back into line with the shepherd. If either of those of you, in a minute, every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. To follow the shepherd again so if either of those are you you want to meet him for the first time or you want to fall back in line with him after three i want you to raise your hand outward expression of an inward decision after three. One, two, three. amazing so good so good you keep putting your hands up incredible you can put your hands down Just another few seconds. If that's you this morning, you know you're walking outside of where you should be. Amazing. You can put your hands down. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. That you are a personal, knowable God. God, I thank you that with you all of our needs are provided for. That you will always look after us. But God, I just want to thank you for the fact that you want to walk through the dirt with us. That you want to walk through the pain with us. You want to walk through the various seasons of our life that we go through. God, I want to just lift up that first group of people that responded and said they wanted to be introduced to the shepherd. They want to know you for themselves. God, I pray right now that you would just take the hand. As they reach out. As they... Just long to meet you, God. I pray that this would be a day where they are reunited with their creator, reunited with the one who gave them purpose, who gave them breath in the first place. God, we worship you for that decision. We thank you that today is a day that salvation has come to this place. And God, for that second group of people, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would convict in them the things that have been pulling them away. Maybe it's been the hired hands. Maybe it's been the things that have maybe just looked like it's supposed to have been the right thing, but it just wasn't you. God, I pray that we would fall back in line with the good shepherd today, that we would fall back in line with your hand. We would fall back in line with your shadow, that we would know your voice, that we would know the way that you move. God, we just want to know you again. I pray for every person in that second group that just responded. I pray today that today is a day that marks the beginning of this year, of 2020, a year of your presence, a year of your leading. God, we thank you. We just declare right now as Light Church that you are our shepherd. And we want nothing that does not come from you. We want nothing other than all that you give. Jesus, we thank you. As we just worship, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.